Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious is that if you're sick, you have to look sick. Um, that's like the most challenging thing that I had to overcome because I like people look at me and they're like, you're so beautiful. You're so healthy. You're so skinny. You're so young. And I'm like, I'm skinny because I can't eat things because my medication suppresses my appetite and it hurts more to eat than not eating. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that. Uh. And then uh, my friends in college really dealing. I mean, college was really hard. Friends and teachers just being like, you're not actually sick, like you're bluffing, you're selfish, you're just a bad friend, like really just all of these things. And I think it became a cycle where my health didn't feel like something that I could even take care of that like, like, I felt like it had autonomy over me, not the other way around. Hey there, gals. Hey there, gals. And welcome back to the episode of The Gals Guide. We are a dating and lifestyle podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Emily. Happy Monday and welcome back for another episode. So speaking of dating, you know, we are a dating podcast. I feel like one of our essential pillars is rom-coms, right? We love a good Mm -hmm. Mm rom-com. We love When Harry Met Sally. We love Pretty Woman. We love Sleepless in Seattle. Um, I know I've seen all these films. I don't know if you have. Um, I love them all. I think I've seen the first one, Harry When Harry Met Sally. You haven't seen Pretty Woman? Oh, no. I've seen Pretty Woman, right? Okay. (laughs) I think so. I think so. Mm -hmm. Julie Roberts? Yeah. Is that a book, too? She's a, she's a, yeah, she's a okay. sex worker who I know like I've, falls in love. I know I've definitely read the book. It's a book? Did you say it was a book? No, I didn't say it was a book. I must be thinking of a different book. <laughs> I'm pretty sure okay. there's a book called Pretty Woman. Wait, now I'm so confused. <laughs> there's a book called Little Women. Oh, wait, no, I've definitely read Little Women. <laughs> That's a completely different story. <laughs> it's about... Four girls growing up in the 1800s, starring Saoirse Ronan and Florence Pugh. That's the one. <laughs> okay, wait. It's, mm. But you have no. I'm yes, because it's the cover. It's the cover with them standing back to back, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, I've seen Pretty Woman. Yes. Yes, the yes. iconic dress and the um um. I have a go. I have purchases to make. Big mistake. Big huge. Yes. Um. I cannot tell you a single thing about the movie, but I have seen it. It's like when I read a book and after I read it, it's like it didn't happen unless I really love it. Yeah. My mother's going to listen to this episode I and be know, thoroughly disappointed in you. I know. That's it's, her favorite film. I'm so sorry. I'll watch it again in the next three years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a classic, but fine. Sure. Um, <laughs> Go on. Okay. So maybe you don't know what I'm about to talk about, but here we are. <laughs> Nine times out of ten, it's a probably a no. The gals, oh the God. gals already know that I am not not always with it. So, in my opinion, I we haven't had a lot of rom coms come out recently. I am a huge fan of rom coms, and I think when it comes to the marketing of a rom com, you gotta sell it. Like I want to believe that maybe you guys might be in love with each other, but also you have your own individual lives. Like I want a will they, won't they kind of situation. And I think Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain did it 
perfectly well when they were setting up um, scenes from a marriage on HBO and doing their press tour. It's You've seen the iconic clip of Jessica Chastain having her arm like stretched out across uh, Oscar Isaac's shoulder. And he like kisses all the way up her arm and everything, yes. even though they're both full as married to other people mm-hmm. and like just the chemistry it sells. So there's a new rom-com coming out called Anyone But You. It's from mm. Sony, and it's directed by Will Gluck. He also did um, Easy A, Friends of Benefits. Oh, so yeah. So classic. Like, mm-hmm. he's established his brand. He's great. And this film is starring Glenn Powell and Sydney Sweeney. Okay. And at first, I was like, I don't really see them together, because he's very much, like, a Ken to me. Like, mm-hmm. he is a Ken Barbie doll to me. He should have been Ken, honestly, in Barbie, but it's fine. And then we all know Sydney Sweeney. She's dropped out gorgeous. Uh, but... I was really interested about this film when they started marketing this film because some of the shots of it looked really cheesy, but now I have to see it because there's rumors that uh, they had like an affair or something because Sydney's whole, like she's engaged. Glenn has a like gorgeous girlfriend, Gigi, who is absolutely stunning. I, in my opinion, more prettier than Sydney, but that doesn't mean anything, but still. Uh, anyways, apparently, like, a lot of stuff has, like, came out, like, since they wrapped filming, they've been doing, like, press for it, like, it's just, they look, like, really too friendly. Like, there's all these behind-the-scenes videos of them, like, dancing and, um, just, like, being really close together, standing super close on the red carpet. Um, there was, like, an interview where Sydney Sweeney, like, said that she calls Glenn Powell Top Gun. Like, that's her little pet name for him um, because she thought uh, he was Tom Cruise's character in Top Gun, um, even though he looks nothing like Tom Cruise. Mm -hmm. Um, And now, apparently, Gigi, uh, Glenn's girlfriend, has unfollowed both of them (gasps) on Instagram and... She posted a photo the day on her Instagram saying, um, know your worth and when to move on. I love that Instagram is the new, like, whodunit. <laughs> like, like who, who is the one that's getting unfollowed? Is I it- don't care how, like, horribly written this movie is. I have to see it now. Oh, yeah. Because, because of all the drama. I was going to say, and also, like, on-screen chemistry, like, is probably going to be top notch immaculate mm-hmm. immaculate mm-hmm. i i i am so happy to see this and I, honestly i love glenn powell like he was in the movie set it up with zoe deutsch and i just think he's really good at chemistry with some of his co-stars because they marketed that film so well like his chemistry with zoe was impeccable and they work really well together they've done other movies together too and i just love seeing them together so that was like one reason why i was nervous mm-hmm. to see him doing a movie with sydney i'm like Zoe's his work wife. Like, yeah, no, I want to see him do more movies with Zoe. Uh, but I, I am so excited to see this, and I'm so excited for more rom coms to come out. There's been other ones that have came out recently that I think the marketing was just so bad for, like Your Place or Mine, which was one of Reese Witherspoon's films. I was gonna say, and did you ever end up watching that? I did, and I didn't like it. And I think one reason I didn't like it is because I don't buy the chemistry of them at all. Like, the photos of them, like, on the red carpet, they look like they're just, like, co-workers. Which, I mean, they are, but they just are, like, yeah. standing I don't next think they to were each other. Good, I don't think they were a good pairing. Compared to Glenn and Sydney, like... 
Oh. I just buy it a lot more, yeah. you know? Like, the way they just, like, he just looks at her, and the way she, like, is, like, staring into his eyes He's and everything. He's in love. True I would die if Glenn Powell was in love with me. Oh, my God, that man is mm-hmm. fucking... Mm. I rewatched the beach scene in Top Gun way too much um, for him and Miles Teller both. Um, yeah. Very. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that but, is that is some drama. I don't know how I missed that and haven't even heard of... It's been all over my TikTok. How have you not seen it? Oh, my God. Well, I actually haven't been on TikTok a lot this week, so that's probably why. Because My I, inbox on TikTok would say otherwise. Oh. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I have... Oh, no, I've been on TikTok watching your TikToks that you sent me and Blaine's. That is my For You page. No, my For You page is You're not welcome. my For You page. It's people who send TikToks to me. I just scroll through the message and I'm like, oh, cool. Love You're it. You're welcome. Awesome. <laughs> so I need to curate better content for you is what please, I'm curating. Curate, um, curate my For You page, please. Okay, um, I'll step up my job. I'm so sorry. Step up the game. <laughs> um, it's fine. It's fine. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to ask you first this week because I always forget to actually ask the question. So what is your captivation? Thank you so much. I'm so glad you paid attention to me. I'm so glad you get to go first because I don't know what mine is. (laughs) I, the other night I watched John Mulaney's new stand-up special, Baby J. Yes, yes, yes. I, I've always liked John Mulaney. Same. And I I will say he did fuck up. Mm -hmm. He should not. I feel so sorry for Anna, like his ex-wife. Like I truly do. And I I love her, but I watched Baby J because I was like, let me let me see. Like I just want to see how he's gonna approach all this. Because yeah, his reputation has um been different. He's in his reputation era. Well and he it's fine. and he had to address it. Like he had yeah. he just had to address it. So he's very, very self-aware mm-hmm. in it. And he's like not going light on himself. Yeah. There's definitely moments, like, he goes through his drug addiction and walks us through, like, what all happened in the process of going to rehab. He doesn't bring up his ex-wife at all, which I'm honestly fine with. Yeah. Um, but it, he's not sugarcoating it. And I think one thing I, re- I was, like, wow on was at one point he's like, this is a story I'm willing to tell you, like, just mm-hmm. think of the other stuff I am not willing, willing to, tell to tell you. you. Exactly. Like that, that I did. I'm like, oh shit, like mm-hmm. you've done a lot of shit. And at the end, I thought it was really, I, there was like one quote he said that I thought was really interesting, which was like, what can anyone else do to hurt me that I wouldn't do to myself? Yeah. Like, you're going to cancel John Mulaney? I'll kill him. Yeah. I almost did. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, all my favorite, <laughs> all of his jokes are hilarious. He is hilarious. And I honestly like how like honest he was, <laughs> but what killed me so much was Henry, that little like 12 year old or 11 year old that was like up in the stands. And he asked him, he was like, what grade are you in? And he was like six and he was like fifth. And I was just like, oh, Henry, poor Henry. <laughs> Henry's about to go to school Listen, tonight. Henry, Henry is Henry is learning the truth. This, the this is the dare program on um, yes. advanced level. That's why Henry was there. <laughs> it was so it was so cute. His parents were like, "This will do better for you than any other drug program your school is providing." Probably. It was just it was a really like a cute moment where where John Mulaney was just like, "Oh, okay, 
have you been to one of my stand-up shows before? And they were like, yeah. And I was just like, oh, like, Well, this one's going to be a little Here different. Here we go. <laughs> but I like the edgier vibe on him, I think, a lot. I think it's really, um, yeah. it suits him, too. And I hope he's hope he's doing well. Yeah. I, but, yeah. Me, too. Me, too. I do think my, my favorite part was uh, his... <laughs> drug dealer not really beat a drug dealer <laughs> like he only bought drugs so that john wouldn't get like bad stuff that's and he's still, like that's a good are you that's actually a, a drug dealer <laughs> he's like no i'm a painter <laughs> he's like, like nah, bro i just wanted to keep you safe uh, safe as everybody I always talks could. about yeah Everybody always talks about how drug dealers turn people into addicts, but he's like, I think I'm the first addict that's ever turned an innocent person into a drug dealer. I know. I was cackling. I was just like, oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was a really good one. Um, Yeah, definitely. What's your captivation though? My captivation would probably have to be... There is this um, Redken hair product that I've been using recently, and I am a Redken fan only because of my hairdresser. Um, and it is this like really cool product that my hairdresser recommended. And because I like now have like some shorter layers than I have ever really had before. And it's more, um, more hair that I actually have to manage versus just like going to bed with my hair wet. Because when I do that, I wake up and I have like curly hair and I don't know how to do curly hair. So this Redken product, um, you can get it through Redken. I think you can get it like Ulta too, but it's the quick blowout heat protectant spray and you spray it on when your hair is wet and it's supposed to like help your hair, dry faster when you do your own blowouts, but also is also a heat protectant, um, against all of the like hair dryer heat. Um, and I will say my hair takes forever to dry. And this thing is like magic. Um, it kind of reminds me of that wow color hair spray thing that we had bought like forever ago. I think, Mm -hmm. um, that one's similar, but I really, really like this product. Um, and my hair, actually dries really fast. Like I brush through it like twice and it's dry. Um, and that mm-hmm. has never happened to me before. So, um, I'm a big fan of Redken's like heat protectant stuff. I like the way it smells. I like the way it feels. And I feel like it actually does a really good job. And I use it every single time I use like, um, hot tools on my hair, but the blow dry effect to this one is really, really cool. Um, and it smells really nice. So yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, we have a really exciting episode that we're getting into today that I am so excited to talk to this girl about. She is Gigi Robinson. She has been a follower of the podcast for quite some time. We've been trying to get her on and she's just really inspirational, I think, to both of us uh, with how she is so open with uh, the chronic pain that she faces and, you know, just making it more um, accessible for people to I feel like they're not alone and to feel like they are being represented by somebody. So she uses her platform to um, help spread awareness about endometriosis and um, other chronic pain that she has suffered from. But 
Before we get into that entire episode, we have a ton of other interviews that we've done recently that you can go and check out, whether you listen to us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you stream podcasts. We have over 180 episodes that you can download and enjoy, so make sure you're subscribed and you can leave us a rating and review to see if you like us, and we'll have more content also over on our Instagram at the Guy Pod and on our personals at Emily Elise and at Hannah Adams Miller, but we're going to do a couple ad reads and then we're going to jump into today's episode. Alrighty, gals. So joining us today, we have one of the remarkable Sports Illustrated swimsuit models who not only has channeled her platform into advocacy for chronic illness and body positivity, but has also dipped her toes into NFT research, entrepreneurship, literary writing, and podcasting. You can read all about her in Vogue Business, Teen Vogue, Glamour, Forbes, Business Insider, so many publications, or on her own newsletter, The Creator Chronicles, where she documents her life as a young woman with chronic illness and helps you unlock the tricks of the trade for rising content creators. Everyone, please welcome Gigi Robinson. Hi. <laughs> Hi, we're so happy to have you. Oh my God. Like you were, I did not understand like how impressive you are until like I was like reading your bio. I was like, holy crap, like this girl has done so much and it's it's amazing to me. I, I love it. And I love your TikTok. I love your content. So we are so happy to have you on the show today. Thanks so much. That was such a nice in uh, introduction, especially. I know we were just briefly talking about kind of, you're like, oh, how are you? When, you, when I first came into the studio and I'm like, mm, I don't know. Today was like a little hard. So that was just a nice little uh, pick me up. Sometimes all it takes is the right compliment from the right people. So thank you. Of course. It's always nice to, you know, hear a nice little brag about yourself. <laughs> but I hope that, you know, we have been trying to get like someone on to talk about, you know, chronic illness for a while now. And I, because I think so many gals that listen to our show have dealt with it. And when you reached out to us, I was like, this is one of the most perfect people to talk to about this. Mm -hmm. And we're so excited to dive into like, your whole story and, your background and really like what you advocate for uh, in your daily life. But before we get into all of that excitingness, uh, we always ask our guests at the top of every episode something that they're currently obsessed with and they're captivated by. And we would love to know, is there anything you're currently captivated by, Gigi? Yeah. So obsessed with, I love the Touchland hand sanitizers that are just like rectangular and flat. They are so perfect and they don't like spritz. Like during COVID, I think like I always carried hand sanitizer like before COVID, like the innovation wasn't really there for hand sanitizer and it would like open and squeeze out everywhere. Like the cap would fall off and you would lose it and then it could spray everywhere in your bag and then unscrew. But like Touchland, there's literally no way that that can happen because of the design of it. And so I keep those in my bag at all times. I also am newly obsessed with the Tower 28 like lip gloss it's like really lightweight really um looks great over a liner uh it has just a dab of color and then something i would say i'm truly captivated by would have to be smoothies that are like banana dates chocolate protein powder almond milk like that kind of like peanut buttery nutty like butter banana vibe i just i can't like go days without having one i if i could have that every single day for the rest of my life, I might 
dare I say I might I might want that. <laughs> That's like your uh what is it? Like your your last you know, meal. Right now, yeah. potentially. Right now. Because it's like a healthy milkshake. Like I don't really get to have milkshakes <laughs> that often, mostly because I'm vegan and I feel like vegan milkshakes are kind of hard to come by, believe it or not. Uh just like I just don't think the industry's there mm-hmm. yet unless you go to a really specific place. And I feel like a chocolatey protein smoothie is a great happy medium and I'm getting like an extra meal in. So it's it's just helpful. I used to work at a smoothie shop like in high school and college and the list of smoothies I could like give you right now that I am still obsessed with and still have memorized to make to this day is insane. But I completely agree. There's like I love anything that has raspberry in it and strawberry too. They're both really great. So I right there with you. Yeah. Mm, yum. Kind of want a second smoothie for today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am so excited to talk to you. We both are, um, we have a list of questions that we want to ask you. And we just really want to have like a really cool conversation with you about a lot of stuff that you've been really open about with your personal life. And I think you've become like a really good advocate for it, which I mean, let's just start with your diagnosis of Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. I mean, you got diagnosed when you were like 11 years old. Can we break down like what it is for people who may Mm -hmm. not be aware of it? Because I know what it is. I have a friend who is also diagnosed with it. Um, So I'm familiar with it. But for the gals that may not know, what exactly is it and how has it like affected like your everyday life? Yeah. So EDS is – there's – 13 different subtypes of EDS. So I have hypermobile EDS, but there's a lot of different uh, kinds that are more rare and that are more debilitating than mine. But it's a really unique genetic disorder that affects the collagen in your tissues and uh, and your ligaments in your body. So I kind of think of it like a rubber band that is at least the hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. I think of my ligaments as a rubber band that lost its elasticity. So like when you have a pair of sweatpants, but the, the elastic just like stays pulled open and it doesn't like bend and snap properly. Uh, that's kind of how the ligaments in my body (laughs) are behaving and have behaved. And so Unfortunately, there's no cure for EDS. You can only manage it. So, you know, doing physical therapy and taking different medications and having acupuncture and swim therapy, water aerobics. I mean, there's so many different things that you can do, but you can really only manage your symptoms with it uh, and manage your pain. So that has been an unfortunate part of my you know, story. I'm not happy I have it, but in some ways it put me through certain things that have made me kind of find my voice and use it, not only like in school settings, not only in personal life settings, um, but also to help me get my other diagnosis, which is endometriosis. Uh, And had I not gone down the route that I did with my pain management doctor, I wouldn't have gotten to the point where she even suggested, oh yeah, well, I think it's just time. Like you might as well get an exploratory diagnostic laparoscopy just to see if you have endometriosis because if you do, it could really alleviate some of the problems you're having. And so I'm like, okay, cool. So I go and I get the surgery in December and sure enough, I have it. One in 10 women have endometriosis and there's no direct correlation right now that they're finding between women with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and women with endometriosis, even though they're both connected, they're, they're, with bodily tissues. Uh, But, you know, 
the percentage of people who have endometriosis is really high and it's 10% of women. And so it just happens to be that one in 500 people have uh, EDS and half of those are women. So probably say like one in a thousand, right? Like could have that and then 10% of that potentially could have endometriosis. Wow. I Yeah, I have – I think I have two friends that have both said that they have endometriosis. One of them, like, literally, like, I think two days ago came to me with, the like, the thought that she thinks that she has it. But she has been on birth control mm-hmm. for so long that, like, she didn't notice, like, the, um, the symptoms of it um, because the birth control itself was, like, um, subduing the symptoms from yeah. it. That when she got off of it, that's when she started noticing, like, different issues with her body. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting how um, – for you, at least, like the two were almost connected in a way. And like by finding out one diagnosis, you were able to later on like get the other diagnosis. And it kind of like, I wonder in a way if it like saved your life. Like that, it's crazy to think in that way. Like, and it almost like, I know a lot of women are always afraid that um, their pain is in their head. And that there's like professionals who don't take them so seriously. Was that something that you ever experienced whenever you were getting going through your uh, diagnosis? Yes, but it mainly was around my stomach issues. Like I always had acid reflux. I was not eating junk food. Like I wasn't. I wasn't eating things like crazy. Um, I'm sorry. Also, if you hear screaming in the back, I think the Rangers game just got turned on, <laughs> and my dad just screamed did you guys hear that <laughs> you did hear it oh my god this yeti mic i swear yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it's okay oh my god it's okay. okay i'm gonna tell no, it's to totally take fine. This <laughs> it's okay dad i'm on a recording He's like absolutely not Please. it's a ranger i, I kind of want this. hannah to keep that in the podcast <laughs> mostly the part where i'm like oh my god that part was funny um Oh my on a serious note, uh, yeah, I would I would say you know it was my stomach issues. I had all these problems. My I would have acid reflux. I would constantly be bloated. I was like slightly constipated, but I feel like are like aren't most girlies constipated these days? Like I don't really know. Like everyone has stomach problems. Like I don't really know. Yeah, all hot so girls like, are okay. Cool. Like I I don't really get this, and I had issues with also like binge eating because my doctors were like, okay, if you you just have IBS and. And so go on the FODMAP diet. And so because I'm on the FODMAP diet, that's like a very, very crazy diet you have to go on to limit the inflammatory foods that you're eating. And as a result, I would like fall off of it at times. And after that, I would just like binge and eat dairy and gluten and all these things after that. And so it just was always really hard. And I was like, if I'm going to feel sick, like I'd rather like not eat than eat. That was kind of a college realization. But had I not gone through all of these testings and workups over the years, and like I had doctors say to my mom, like she's in her head, she's psychosomatic, like get go to a new doctor, like I can't help you, like do the holistic route. Had I not gone through all of that, it wouldn't have gotten to the point where I went also with my pain management doctor and she said it could be endometriosis number one, but number two, get an allergy panel done again because I had one done a couple years ago. Just get it redone. And I was talking to my allergist then about this and she was like, I think like you said, you went vegan 
the past year and you felt better, but you still have like some pain and sometimes you'll eat dairy or sometimes you'll, uh, you know, eat, eat fish occasionally, like, and sometimes you'll eat like candy and maybe you'll have a reaction after eating that. And she kind of put it together and was like, I think you have this specific meat allergy. And so we did the blood test and sure enough, it came back. And so had I not pushed all of those Mm -hmm. years through all of those tests and had, one specific doctor suggest a certain thing that led me to another specialist and vice versa. Like you just never know. And so even if you're going through something painful in your body and you know, like, I don't think this is normal for me to be having acid reflux every time after I eat or to be burping like crazy sounds or to be not going to the bathroom or to be going to the bathroom too much. Like definitely keep note of that and tell your doctors and hopefully they can help you see a specialist. And uh, I know you asked specifically about medication, or about the doctors specifically not believing, but, um, you know, I think something that I did highlight on was this allergy that I have. And the fact that I had binge eating in the past was like really challenging for me to mm-hmm. think like, oh, well now I have to be vegan. Like it's a lifestyle shift. Like I don't even have a choice. Like I have to be gluten-free because if I don't, like my stomach is going to scream at me and like, I'm going to have a lot of inflammation. And so for the past almost six months, I've been vegan and gluten-free and like my life has literally been so much better in terms of my stomach and bowel movement pain and all of that. And is that because of my endometriosis? Is that because of this meat allergy diagnosis and like my healing in my relationship with food? Like I think it's probably a combination, but my pain levels are down, my inflammation levels are down, and that's the most important thing that came out of this for me. Wow. That is absolutely amazing. And like that you were able to just to like see how it's all connected. That's insane. I am so interested in all of that because I was somebody, my chronic pain was more in my like mm-hmm, physical mm-hmm. like head like my brain mm-hmm. like I had chronic migraines yeah. for years went to so many headache specialists and I know Hannah can relate to mm-hmm, this too mm-hmm. she also has had chronic migraines and just neurologists giving up on you and like being like we don't know and I'm like that's comforting to hear but I'm glad that you were able to like kind of like work with with different doctors and find specialists that were really um helpful for you. And I think a lot of that probably went into a lot of self-advocation that you were able to um, do. And that's now what's transpired into like your whole platform as well too, correct? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think part of it was just kind of going through it by myself and really realizing like, wow, like I can't be the only person going through this first of all. And second of all, like my, uh, my my pain is like real like it's here it's happening and like there that should definitely be something that doctors pay attention to whether it's my doctor whether they're pointing me somewhere else like at the end of the day i just knew that i wanted to i think just stand up because I was so frustrated. Like when I was in college, I was all by myself across the country. Mm-hmm. I also, you know, grew up in New York City, so I had access to great doctors. My mom's in healthcare, so I had access that way as well. And that's, I know, a real big medical privilege that I have um, to be diagnosed young and to have excellent healthcare uh, help. But not everyone has that. And that's why I chose to make it kind of like a purpose to dedicate the platforms that I have to the accessibility kind of aspect of this whole thing. 
-hmm. When you were going through um, the process of like getting your diagnosis, getting started like on like healing yourself and like, Mm -hmm. was there anything that you did like not to distract or like cope with the pain, but like to release the emotional energy that might have been built up that it was associated with the pain at all? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think photography and art was really my outlet for a while. But in college, unfortunately, it got to the point where like it hurt too much to do it physically. And so Mm -hmm. it felt like then like after for years and years, like first I love competitive swimming, then my body was like, nah, like you're not going to be able to do that anymore. And then I was like, okay, fine, I'll do photography, Mm -hmm. like it's less impactful, whatever. And then uh, just, you know, over time, I just it ended up – it unfortunately ended up being something that I still love to do, but I, I'm not able to do it the capacity that I used to. Um, so now I do other things. I try to just, like, go for walks, like, listen to podcasts. Uh, I'm trying to get more into my creative flow again. It's just sometimes so hard because unlike a lot of – I think a lot of people in the content creator world, like they just go from like a nine to five or something really like linear uh, in in a corporate situation to just kind of working for themselves or like creating content. I have had a decade more of experience working and producing art and photography and art directing. And even though I get to do it all for myself, it's kind of taken away that like, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And it's like, I don't really love the craft as like, I I do love the craft, but I don't really love the work as much as I think I used to. And so uh, I got to take a pottery class like a month ago with Instagram and they, you know, I I enjoyed that experience. And then I felt a lot of pain and soreness in my arms after Mm. for like five Mm. days. And I was like, was it worth an hour of fun if I'm going to be in pain for five days. And so that's just an example of one thing. I'm just trying to think of other, you know, new new things for me to learn and to really get into. But I think it's going to take some time. Well, now you've gotten like into um, like NFT research and everything. How did that like transpire? Yeah, that was really with uh, my college, uh, my my uh my master's degree program. And I just found it really fascinating and was just kind of doing a lot of research there. I I decided to kind of like pause because I think sometimes I go in a million directions. I like to think of my brain as a pinball machine and people like laugh at that, but I really do think it's like that. And like a lot of the time there will be like those those little sections of the pinball machine you hit and when you completely like knock something over and the ball goes flying and it goes to the other side of the machine and then it goes down the hole and then like it goes back out and then you have to start over. Like that's really how I feel with a lot of my creative projects. And so I feel like just the... NFT research was something I I thought I, th- I find it fascinating. I think it's interesting. I think the whole blockchain technology that goes into it is really fascinating. I just don't have the energy mentally to like contribute to that field right now. So mm-hmm. um, I just find connection in the real world much more influential than any kind of archiving and record uh, recording process uh, and and exchange of you know, digital technology much more valuable. Uh, it's just being in person with people is so much better. 
Oh, oh yeah. Completely definitely. agree with that. 1,000%. How did – so how did the Sports Illustrated swimsuit uh, search come about? How did that fit into it? And was that, like, while you're in the process of, like, finding out about the endometriosis or was that after that? Uh, it was actually before. Uh, so it happened a year ago and I you know, entered the swim search with the mission of wanting to really pay with change and follow their main campaign for last year, which was to make an impact and lead by example with your platform. So, you know, a lot of the women they chose weren't models. We were like, you know, advocates and podcasters and some were models and some were lawyers and astronauts and so on and so forth. So I think like there were a lot of different things that we did that weren't related to just like modeling that I really, you know, enjoyed. So that was cool uh, to be a part of. And I just entered the swim search with that sentiment. And I I made it through like that. That was really it. I, I also what I did was um, and I've told this story many times, but I posted my video on LinkedIn and I tagged the editor in chief and it basically changed the way women were applying. Like people now tag her in videos on LinkedIn because they saw wow. that it worked for me. And yes. it, I asked her straight up, I was like, is that what caught your eye? Like she was like your mission, but also nobody has ever changed the way that we apply. Like you did that. Um, it, it doesn't fully stick. Like n- a lot of people don't you know, really do it in the capacity that they do on Instagram or on TikTok. But at the end of the day, I she did confirm that. And I thought that that was kind of cool that she was like, you know, you validated this as a career. You you showed us what we're doing is like real and we're helping people out there. It's not just women in bathing suits. Um, so, yeah. I like that. Yeah. I mean, go about it any way you can. Like, grab it while you can. Is exactly. I mean, trust me. And then it also probably made LinkedIn like a little bit like brighter that day and not not as boring as well too. <laughs> but yeah. I, I I'm I'm curious about um, how like how does it feel like when the headline came out that you were um, like the first like Sports Illustrated swimsuit. Um, search model to openly like battle chronic illness how did how did that come across and how did that feel for you I honestly was really happy about it I mean I think it just was a really great opportunity to shed light on something that a lot of women deal with like even if you don't deal with a mental health issue or a physical health issue your friend might your mom might your sister might your cousin might like like I think or your colleague, like it literally your neighbor, it could extend to every part of it. And I think everybody is kind of understanding that we unfortunately live in a world where everyone has something. And I think it's important to talk about. It was also important for me to like not research, I, I, to not retouch. Sorry, that's what I meant to say. Um, to not have my images retouched and to not get any crazy like body sculpting done and to not starve myself and to make sure that I was, you know, eating and being happy and and staying active but you know not exacerbating or doing anything because the reality is I was given 10 days notice for my shoot and uh, yeah so it was very quick and so there's not much you can do in 10 days to 
lose weight or to shape up. Like I wasn't planning for this and I just wanted to show up. And uh, I think it's really interesting. A lot of people think I'm like a model full time. Like I'm not, I'm not signed to a modeling agency. I had no connection to modeling. And on top of that, like people think I have model dimensions. I'm literally five, four and like 165 pounds, like a size eight. Like a lot of people don't realize that I'm like a small human and it's just really we love a short queen (laughs) yeah like it's really funny when people like meet me and they're like you're short and I'm like yeah I know (laughs) it's it's so funny to me (laughs) um so yeah that's that's the TLDR on SI I love it though I I think it's great Uh, and now you are launching your first children's book Hannah's so oh excited gosh. about that. Hannah works with children. I work with kids, and I saw that, and I was just like, that is so cool. I love that. Thank you. How did that come about? Like, what made you want to do a children's book? Yeah, I've wanted to do books for a while. I, um, I'm hoping that I can land, like, a more, you know, adult nonfiction thought leadership book in the near future, but ultimately, I... I saw this man, Jelani, post on LinkedIn, and I thought the work that he was doing at a kid's company was incredible. And uh, I found out about Jelani through my friend Brandon, and I was like, wow, Brandon did a book with you guys. It's about self-love and disability, and it's just really a beautiful story of, like, self-acceptance. And I thought, you know, chronic illness is so nuanced, and it takes a lot of courage and bravery to talk about your your health issues. It's it's about your body, your relationship to your body. And so how can we write about this in a way that touches kids, but also touches parents and touches friends and caregivers and lovers? And I just think that it, it was just something I, I just, it felt right. And so I'm hoping that you know, later this year or next year, I, you know, can sign some bigger, badder papers with a bigger publishing house for an adult nonfiction book. So uh, watch out for that. But in the meantime, you can buy my book anywhere. Just Google it. (laughs) That's so cool. I like how you touched on, um, like, yes, it's a children's book, but it's kind of written for everyone to read. And I think that like because I work with kids and I read kids books like all the time, like reading something through the lens of someone who created it for a child just brings it back to like a very digestible like piece mm-hmm. of information. And it, and it puts it into the perspective of like, I don't know, just like I sometimes think adults, we just overcomplicate things. And so to just read something from – you know, that you're trying to portray to a child, even with like kid TV shows, like they always have something in there for the adults. So I think it's really, I think that's a really cool way to talk about something and provide that space for kids who are going through similar things to like have the opportunity to have conversations and, and a really, and it, and it presents parents with a way to have those conversations with kids too. Cause I think that that's a hard thing in general, whether it's like pain or death or, you know, anything, kids are just so inquisitive and they want to know all the things. And so to have some sort of book that you could be like, let's sit down and read this together. And this is how we can, you know, kind of like spearhead that conversation. Um, 
So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. really excited. I definitely want to get it. I am a speech therapist, so I work with a lot of kids Amazing. and families. So I would love to have that in my library. So I'll definitely have to check it out for sure. Yeah. And if you have a local library that you think should carry it, all you have to do is talk to them about ordering it and then they just like check it oh, out cool. and then sometimes they'll place a bigger order. Insider tips. Oh, nice. We've got a we've got a I big... low-key did not know. <laughs> I didn't either, but that, that's how that worked. <laughs> but we have I a didn't nice know library either until downtown, so. Yeah. I didn't know either until my grandma called me and was like, I got your book from the local bookstore and she lives in like Northampton, Massachusetts, which is literally like where Smith College is. Like the street is like two streetlights. Like it's so small and quaint and and cute and I was like how do they have my book and she was like I called and asked for it and I was like okay interesting oh my so, gosh I work the more so you know that's cute. so cute um I was gonna say I work with somebody who works really closely with one of our um like independent bookstores downtown and she is like all for having like really cool books and and something so maybe I'll talk to her this week about That'd be great. You know, putting the bug in their ear. (laughs) (laughs) She's she's like, anything that gets me more money, yeah, sure. That's totally sound great. (laughs) Girls supporting girls, honestly. I love it. Always. Always. (laughs) Always. Always got to support the gals, for sure. Um, One thing that I really am curious about, like, when it comes to, you know, because we're talking about chronic illnesses, and, you know, most of the time they are hidden um because you know they are internal what was like a common like misconception that you kept hearing from people when it came to chronic illness yeah I mean I think the obvious is that if you're sick you have to look sick um that's like the most challenging thing that I had to overcome because I like people look at me and they're like you're so beautiful you're so healthy you're so skinny you're so young and I'm like I'm skinny because I can't eat things because my medication suppresses my appetite and it hurts more to eat than not eating and uh (laughs) yeah that uh." and then uh my friends in college really dealing I mean college was really hard friends and teachers just being like you're not actually sick like you're bluffing you're selfish you're just a bad friend like really just all of these things and i think it became a cycle where my health didn't feel like something that i could even take care of that like like i felt like it had autonomy over me not the other way around and mm-hmm. i think once you yeah. try to once you find the right doctors and once you really try to dig into like okay what is something creative or what's like a doctor that maybe can give me a new something new like uh, when i go to new specialists they're like so what can i do for you like yes you have all these symptoms you have this medical history what can i specifically do for you and so you explain certain symptoms and then they're sometimes creative and sometimes like think of new things um, to to help remedy you. I know I, I had to get some anti-nausea medication because of my migraines sometimes. Uh, so that's really helpful for me to have on hand when I didn't have it before. I would just get super clammy and I couldn't sleep. Now I take the anti-nausea and boom, I can go to sleep. My life's better. And so I think like that's an example of I was able to start advocating for myself and have control over my health versus in college. I was just so lost and it just became something that other people didn't understand. I didn't fully understand it. Like I I just 
it was really it was just really hard to navigate um honestly and so that was the biggest misconception and you know i hope in some way those other people have opened a door for more compassion and empathy in terms of understanding people's health issues even if they're invisible but not in my life not they're not for me <laughs> goodbye <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i think you bring up a good point too um that um i've kind of found in our field or my field that i work in is like you almost have to go to your doctor and say, I need a specialist in this area. Like I, I need you to point me into something, into some other direction because doctors as a whole, they have just like such a huge amount of knowledge that they have to know. And so for them to be an expert in every single little area is just unreasonable. And you just like, you go to them for your general overall things. And then you kind of have to be like, okay, but I actually think I need like you know a specialist in this area or I need you to pinpoint Mm -hmm. me to this person or um and so I think that's really encouraging to hear from you about self-advocating because I don't think people do that enough um and like you were kind of saying I think part of it is that people don't know how yeah true and I think I hope more and more people are learning um and just speaking up for themselves um but I I have seen it in my field where like time and time and time again parents are told just wait and see it'll be fine like actually this is your fault this is not the kid's fault and like with breastfeeding and difficulties doing that and all the things that I just see on a day-to-day basis it's it's discouraging as me because I am a specialist in the area of like Mm -hmm. infant feeding and feeding and um speech language pathology and so I'm always like I just wish more doctors, more pediatricians would just say, let me find you somebody who can answer the question. Like, I cannot answer this question, but I'm going to figure it out for you or I'm going to find the person that can. And so I just think us as a whole need to try to advocate more if possible. And the medical community also needs to be like, I don't know the answer. I'm going to figure out who does. So. Yeah. Yeah. I also think like part of it is honestly like medical burnout and like I've been seeing that from my doctors of like they are so overloaded Mm. and maybe it was that way before COVID but I feel like I am waiting every single time I'm at a doctor's appointment longer than I ever did before and on top of that like doctors don't want to really spend the time to read through your whole chart Um, And they also don't want to hear it, which is why they just shortcut to how can I help you. But I can say from experience, like really finding someone that's going to listen, that's going to read your whole chart is so important because again, like back to my endometriosis doctor, I left my consultation with her before I even agreed to go under the surgery. And like I had two other consultations with two separate doctors and she was the only one that referenced things from my chart from the past five years. And I found that so, like, empowering. I was like, she really did her due diligence here where I feel like the other doctors didn't. And part of it is because, unfortunately, doctors have to do, like, five or six surgeries in one day, if not more. And then they have to just, like, be in and out. Like, they don't get the breaks. And, like, I can't imagine what their mental health is when, like, their – you know, patients are the ones that like they're treating people. They have to help people, but they can't help everyone. And also not everyone's issues are because of, um, you know, whatever condition you might 
have seen or read about on the internet like uh and yeah. and they can't really entertain that like we also are living in a time where um the past two decades people have been able to web md their symptoms and come to the doctor and to research and have so much more information about what they're going through which is great in some ways but in other ways it's kind of like they're like, yeah, I just don't think that's a possibility for you. Or like, I don't, I don't think that that's real. And you just, you, and you can feel like you're really put down. And if a doctor is doing that, you have two options. You can either say, okay, well then if you don't think it's this and my symptoms are mimicking this, what do you think it is? Or you could go to another doctor if you feel disrespected enough by that doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Uh what is there any change that you want to see when it comes to how people perceive chronic illness at all? I would say just try to have compassion. Like you truly don't know what people are going through. I know we say that so much and it might sound really cliche, but you just never know. Like you guys are like, how's your day? And I'm like, eh, going through it. And you're like, what? Really? Like, mm-hmm. like, and from the outside, it may seem like I have my shit together, that things are going really well. But on the inside and behind the scenes, there's a lot of like anxiety and there's a lot of tears and a lot of days spent in bed and people just don't see that. And that's honestly just something I haven't really wanted to even share in content. Um, I'm sure people that have been following me for a while have seen like, yeah, like you're not posting as much and you're not as consistent and your content has kind Mm -hmm. of shifted uh, into just like a different vertical than you used to do. And I think part of that is because I felt like I was siloed with my creator stuff that it was just, it was like suppressing my creativity and so I'm doing stuff that's like actively helping me be creative but also it's giving me creative block and so I know I'm going on this tangent but the reason is because people don't see all of that going on behind the scenes you know it's Mm -hmm. it's it's like an internal battle and I think we all have those internal battles it's just like they can be about different things and so whether that's a mental chronic health issue whether that's a physical chronic health issue I mean I think also we have to start to understand like our symptoms and really being like oh like I'm having back pain if you have back pain think about where it is think about what time of the month it is think about if it's after you eat certain food right like is it because of a a Uh, something you've eaten? Is it because of your menstrual cycle? Is it because you did a strenuous activity? I mean, I think there's like so many things that we don't always think about as it pertains to our health, especially when it comes to pain and fatigue. So just um, on the personal level, take more note to your body and what's going on. And on a like peer, colleague, friend level, I would say just be more compassionate and, you know, ask questions. Say, is there anything I could do to support you? Or like, I, I don't I don't really understand what can I do as your friend to like help you through this kind of. So I think those are just important things that I would like to change and see more of maybe. Hmm. I like that a lot. That really like even answers like the next question that I even had for you, which was like being a support system for people who do have like chronic pain and chronic illnesses. Um, but I will say, and I, one thing that I would really like to end the episode on is we always end our episodes with a survival tip. Um, but I would love to know, is there an overall Archie message that you would love to give people who 
think that they may be suffering from like a chronic pain or chronic illness that they haven't received a diagnosis for yet. Is there something that you would like for them to hear? Yeah, I uh, would say, I mean, I think maybe just, I mean, my, my podcast title is Everything You Need Is Within. Like, I really do think that's true and that we do have all of the answers. We just kind of have to, like, pull them out from within us. Um, and sometimes that's through talking. Sometimes that's through meditation. Sometimes that's through action and research. I, I think there's a lot of ways that we can pull out our, our true potential. Um, the other thing would be you know, if you've made it through your hardest days so far, like I think you can continue to make it through the days ahead. Uh, That's another thing that's really important. And last but not least, on a positive note, I like the quote, do today what others won't so that tomorrow you can do the things that others can't. And I really like this quote and this pertains to work, but it also pertains to your health because if you don't for example, go on your 10-minute walk once a day, you know, in the morning and get your 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 sleep right. You can actually like age faster by not having proper sleep. That's one example, right? If you don't eat right for your health, whatever that means for you. For me, it means being vegan and gluten-free. For you, it might be being dairy-free and eating meat or whatever like I don't it's different for everyone and I'm not saying everyone should do what I do I'm saying find what's right for you and it should help your body in in whatever way and that will help you hopefully get to a state of like health and wellness that um, you can maintain and that's really what I'm kind of working through right now I love that 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 was amazing yeah well this has been like such a informative chat like i i feel like all my questions were definitely um answered because i think it's these are things that i've constantly wondered about by having friends who suffer with um similar um illnesses like and just wondering how i can be like a better friend to them um so i feel mm-hmm. like you this has definitely helped not only me but i feel like it's helped like a ton of other gals who are listening to this but before we let you go we would love to give the mic all to you let people know where they can find you and where they can um, sign up for like for your newsletter and your podcast as well yeah uh thanks so much for having me this was really fun so uh, you can find me the at symbol, the word it's, and Gigi Robinson everywhere. So it's Gigi Robinson, all social platforms verified, so you can't miss me. Uh, my website's ggrobinson.com, has all of the info you would probably ever need on me. My newsletter is on LinkedIn, but I will say I'm transitioning to an email subscription uh, soon. So just watch out for that. Connect with me or follow me on LinkedIn. And my podcast is called Everything You Need Is Within. You can follow that on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to podcasts. And of course, my book, a kid's book about chronic illness is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Walmart, uh, akidsco.com. And my website also has all of this information in case you can't find it on Google, which would be kind of silly, but just saying. <laughs> and we will leave a link to everything also in all our show notes as well for the gals to be able to find um, easily. But This has been such a delight. Thank you so much, Gigi, for coming on. We really enjoyed having you. Yes, thank you. Of course. Thanks, ladies. 
And so that does it for today's episode of The Gals Guide. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Gals Guide Pod. Also like us on Facebook at The Gals Guide and become a Gal Scout in our Facebook community. You can also hit us up on our website, thegalsguidepod.com, and our personal social media, which we will have linked in our show notes. Also, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review. And then if you're listening to us on Spotify, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. So thanks for listening, gals, and we hope you come back for our next journey.